put inside the hymnals. You can pick it up. This is just a song we're going to try to learn to. It's new. Play just the melody? It's a melody, okay. And Miranda is going to play the melody, so then we'll, we'll sing it. separate right after that and after we have our prayer time then we'll have a break before the 10 45 service okay is that pretty much clear so go now finish up at 10 30 10 40 10 50 and then ladies and men separate okay uh and as you're going out let me tell you that i met this man named bill harvey and he was a songwriter singer soloist and he told me one time after lunch he said that he doesn't listen in church. He writes all of his songs in church. <laughs> That's where he gets all of his music and his uh, inspiration in church. He says, I listen, but I don't listen. <laughs> okay. reminded me about this man who went to surgery and he had his right arm amputated uh, his left arm amputated after that he was all right <laughs> oh yeah left arm amputated after that, he's all right oh, yeah he's all right yeah. all right all right. <laughs> 
<laughs> Since you didn't like that, I'll tell you this one. We'll turn to First John chapter 3. I'll tell you this one. What do you call a well-dressed ant? A well-dressed ant. What do you call a well-dressed ant? Elegant. Elegant. Sad. Sad. That's so funny. Very sad. First John chapter 3. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Father, for letting us be in church. And church should be a place where we are spiritually warm apart from this cold world. Help us, Father, to get a blessing in your word today. Bless all the classes. Bless this class. And speak to our hearts. Speak to our heads. Help us because we learn something or are reminded of something from the Bible that we will draw closer to you because of this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. First John chapter 3. I'm trying to hurry through it. And yet I don't want to bypass things that are important or things that would be good for us to remember. First John chapter 3. We left off at verse number 9. And I'll refer to verse number 9 in just a little bit in the lesson today. But we are in verse number 10. 1 John 3, verse number 10. 1 John 3, 10. In this, in this, in what? He ends verse 9 by saying, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. And then in verse number 8 he said, he wrote, He that committeth sin is of the devil. The devil sinneth from the beginning, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And then in verse 7, he said this, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Now, 7, 8, and 9, if you put those three verses together, you come to verse number 10. Verse number 10 is referring back to verses 7, 8, and 9. Verse 10 tells us, in this, I ask the question, in what? In the fact that some people do this, some people do that. Some people who claim to be born of God live a certain way. Others who are not born of God live a certain way. Or I should really say it like this. Those, those who are what they are, it is manifest. It comes out. It is revealed what they are. And so I think verses 7, 8, and 9 go together with verse number 10. Leads up to verse number 10. In this, in the fact that if you're born of God, you don't commit sin. And if you are not born of God, you do commit sin. Last week we talked about the discussion or had this controversy. How can that these verses be true when in practice, in Christian living, we know that we all sin? The book of 1 John, remember, was written to those who are already saved. And they have been given verses to say, instruct them, when you sin, you can go to 1 John 1, 9 and confess your sins and God will forgive you of all your sins. And so we have that in play. So we know that it does not mean you can become sinless. Now, I did close by telling you this, that although we cannot be ever, we can ever be sinless, a Christian should sin less. And that seems to be as we go to the rest of this chapter, that seems to be the tone or the context of what he's saying. Whatever he means about you will not sin, we do know 
we do sin as Christians. And again, I ask you, if you have never sinned since you've been a Christian, raise your hand. If you've never had a bad thought, if you've never had ill will toward anyone about anything, if you've never lost your temper since you've been saved, raise your hand. We have all sinned because we are still sinners. And so verse number 10 tells us in this, and the answering my own question in what, it's about being exposed. Being exposed. You know, you, you go to the grocery stores, you have these tabloids. It's all about exposing somebody's flaws or somebody's bad behavior. And, oh, they appear to be so good, but then we are going to expose them. There's a picture and there's an article. And all these things sell a lot of publications, sell a lot of papers. I don't know if it's all true or not, but the fact is they're trying to expose somebody's life and make you feel bad about that person. Expose reporting. You don't have too many reporting about how good somebody is, but because that doesn't get any interest. But if you say, oh, did you know that so-and-so did this? Shock. He has been exposed. That gets a lot of attention. Well, this is not the same tone, but John does say in this, in verse number 10, in this, the children of God are manifest. The children of God are manifest. It is revealed, it has been exposed, who the real child of God is. Verse 7, 8, 9, the real child of God may sin, but he doesn't want to sin. Someone who's not a child of God sins, and he almost is happy because he sins. That is his nature. The Christian who has a new nature, he is grieved when he sins. He is upset when he sins. He has guilt when he sins. He doesn't want to sin, but he has sinned because of his sinful nature. And so there's a struggle inside of him. But the unsaved man, it is exposed what both men are. One man saved, Holy Spirit living in him, convicts him because of sin. The other man, unsaved, Holy Spirit not in him. He sins willfully, gladly. He has no guilt, perhaps. Doesn't seem to have any guilt. And so maybe that's what he's talking about. But he's saying they are exposed. Those who sin, those who don't sin, they're exposed. That's what John is writing. There's an expose about these two kinds of men. And so, now, when you sin, remember, you do not put your salvation in jeopardy. You never should be afraid of losing your salvation when you sin. When you were a young Christian, maybe you had this thought, oh, why did I, why did I think that? Why did I dream that? Why did I have this? Why did I lose my temper, lose control of things? Why did I want to kill this guy? That doesn't mean you lost your salvation. It just means that it's a it's an affirmation that your heart is still black because you're still sinful in this life. You have been washed clean in God's eyes, but you still live in this world that is sinful. You yourself are sinful. There's a tendency for you to sin. And so there's a fear that we might lose. Never fear of losing your salvation. Never fear because you are safe and secure in Jesus Christ. And the verse you want to use is uh, go to John Chapter 10, verse number 28, which tells us something very important. And then we'll move on after this. Go ahead and look at that verse. And you will be assured that you can never lose your salvation. Even though you sin or have sinful intentions or you even do things that are wrong. So look at that verse, John 10, 28. 
This is a verse, what we call this a verse of assurance of eternal life, a verse of assurance of salvation. Because that verse is true, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Believe what the Bible says, believe what Jesus said, he said this, and you know that when you do sin, your salvation is not even an issue. It is your living, your walk in this world that is the issue. Your fellowship with God is an issue. Your fellowship with God, not your standing with God, not your position in Christ. That's never in jeopardy, okay? Any questions at that point? It is a basic point. It's a fundamental point. You should never let anyone tell you, you better not sin because, because of what? You better not sin because, because of what? Ask, because of what? Ask that person that question, because of what? If they say, because you, you, you may, you may put your salvation jeopardy. You say, no. Jesus says, John 10, 20, and there you go. Now look at chapter 3, verse 10 again. 3.10. In this, in this, the children of God are manifest, revealed, made known, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. He is emphasizing what you are is how you live. What you are is what you do. The pattern of your life is based upon what you are, who you are. If you are a child of God, the pattern of your life is godliness, purity, sincerity, benevolence, kindness, forgiving. All these qualities come along with someone who belongs to God. On the other hand, on the other hand, whosoever, uh, and the children of the devil, the distinction, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Well, those are two broad general statements. For example, what is the most common characteristic of a Jewish person? No, Francis did this. No, it's not the physical appearance, although that is a part of it. <laughs> okay. That is a part of it. But the most common characteristic of a Jewish person is that he's very tight-fisted with his money. Or he touches everything. He's got the Midas touch. Turns everything to gold. Or his whole life is built upon prosperity of money. That's, that's a truism. That's part of that. It's not wrong. It's not wrong that you can invest and make all kinds of money or... Produce something that someone wants and you make a lot of business. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a characteristic. What's the characteristic of uh, uh, Irish, Irish people? Temper, hot-headed. Hot -headed. That's the characteristic. What's the characteristic of Chinese people? Handsome. Good looking. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> and, and so, um, Ching Chong, China men sitting on a fence trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. Okay, so just like a Jew, money, money, money. That is a characteristic, but there's a context behind that. It's not greed. It's not greed. And so, when it comes to the characteristics of a, a Christian, the characteristics of someone's not a Christian, these are the characteristics. It's manifest. It's made known. So when we looked at 1 John 3, 7, 8, 9 about sinning not, I'm thinking now that that is talking about the pattern of someone's life, the routine of someone's life, 
uh, commentators use the word habitual. Some people don't like the word habitual, but pattern is habitual. Uh, routine is habitual. And so it could be the word that would describe what he says about if you're if you belong to God, you don't sin. You don't sin continually. You don't sin as a matter of life. You don't sin um, without any guilt. You don't sin without any conviction. But if you're not of God, you sin. You have no conviction. You sin continually, routinely, habitually. You have no you have no guilt about anything. You just do it because you say, well, that's what I am. You make excuses for yourself. That could be what he's talking about. A life of sin without any guilt because that's what you are. You're the devil. Speaking of that, let's keep reading. Verse number 10. Uh, Neither he that loveth not his brother. Look at verse number 11. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, verse 12, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Now let me stop there where it says, slew his brother. You realize why Cain killed his brother? Now that story, that true story, is found in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Here is the story of two brothers, perhaps they were twins, don't know. But these two brothers were raised by their our first parents. Who was their first parents? Adam and Eve. Our first parents were Adam and Eve. Now, here is Adam and here is Eve. And you notice that Eve has nice long hair. You notice that Adam is Adam is bigger and uh, she is more petite. She's more feminine because that's what a woman is. Notice that the man is oh, let's see here. Uh, let me give him a beard and mustache, you know, like today. He's a Calvinist right here. <laughs> All right. Uh, just kidding, kidding here. But God made Adam and Eve, and the first parents that ever in this world. <clears throat> now it's kind of scary if a woman has a beard. Okay, <laughs> that's that's scary. That is not that's something hormone that's injected. It's it's not natural. Our first parents in the garden. Remember, they sinned against God. Because of that, they fell. It's called the fall, the fall of man in Genesis chapter three. After that, they were expelled from the Garden of Eden. No longer did live in a paradise-like place. Everything was perfect, but once they sinned against God, uh, fellowship was broken, they died spiritually, and from that moment on, they began to die physically. It took them hundreds of years before they actually died physically, but they broke fellowship with God. And they live now outside the Garden of Eden. Then they have children. They have, they, they have, they have a, a they have two boys, Cain and Abel. Both boys are taught when they were very young, probably before they were able to understand their parents' words, 
that we used to live in this beautiful place. You see the angel out there, this horn, the sword, flame sword. We can't go back anymore. And the kids, as they begin to grow up, can you imagine? They begin to ask questions, as kids always do. What is that angel doing over there with that flaming sword? Oh, he's keeping us out. Who's us? Us? Mom, dad, you two boys? We can't go back there anymore. We have to live out of here. What was it like over there? Can you imagine the conversation as the boys are growing up? Finally, mom and dad tells them about what God did to, to have mercy on them. He killed an animal, got his skin, and covered their nakedness. Remember that? In Genesis chapter, he covered their nakedness. And when he covered them, when he covered them, that was a picture of the shed blood of Jesus Christ thousands of years into the future, who would be the Lamb of God that takes for the sin of the world. And so when God killed a lamb from the garden, an innocent lamb, the lamb had nothing to do with the boy, Adam and Eve sinning, an innocent lamb shed his, gave his life for them to be covered, covered, to cover their nakedness. And so that was a real symbolic gesture of who Jesus Christ would become, the sinner son of God to die for sinners. Jesus died not because he was guilty of anything, but did it to be the atonement for our sins. And so remember that God did that for us. Oh, okay. And so, no, when we all, when we worship God, boys, we always, we always, we kill a lamb, shed his blood, and give that lamb as a sacrifice to God. Now, when you boys are old enough to do your own sacrificing, we're doing it now for the family, but because you're too small. And But when you become old enough, you have to give your own lamb as a sacrifice. Got that? Year by year, they were told that. It was drilled into them. Year by year, they were told what was the right thing to do. And then, of course, um, if you look at Genesis chapter 4, remember that the reference you read it sometime carefully? Cain, they both grew up. Cain became a farmer and Abel became a shepherd. And when it was time for them to give a sacrifice, Abel gave the right sacrifice. His was accepted. Cain gave the fruits of his own labor. There was nothing wrong with the watermelons and tomatoes and papayas and pineapple. Everything that he gave was great. But, by the way, it was all organic gardening by that time. <laughs> it was. Beautiful fruit. God rejected his offering, not because his fruit was flawed, but because Cain disobeyed what his parents told him about the kind of sacrifice that God will accept. Therefore, he was turned away. You know what happened to Cain? He got bitter. He got angry. I'll get to that in just a minute. And so this is what this is referring to in John chapter 3. It's about when he says king. In verse number 12, after he said that you should love one another, not as king, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. You know that God associates murder with the devil. Murder is associated with the devil. It is like the devil to murder. And when Cain killed his brother, it was like he was from the devil. It's an association, a connection, a link to behavior. Now watch this, verse number 12. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own words, works were evil and his brother's righteous. Then it says in verse 13, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Now verse 13 itself, I need to spend about 10 minutes on this one in just a minute. But in verse number 12, this is the reason why Cain killed his brother Abel. There's two reasons why. Now, turn to Genesis chapter 4 for one reason, and we'll come back to it first, John. This is fundamental. This will help you to know and understand human nature. 
a whole lot more than going and taking an anthropology class or a sociology class at a university. I will tell you that the Bible might be true. <laughs> and when I say might be true, I'm speaking tongue in cheek because you and I know that it is true. It's just a matter of us understanding how it connects to everyday life. Genesis chapter 4, and now to verse number uh, 6. Verse number 6. Genesis 4, 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? What are you mad about? And why is thy countenance fallen? Why do you look so 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 mad? Look, look at your face, Cain. Look in the mirror. Look at that. Look at how mean you look. And you're also this one at the same time. Verse 7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin not at the door. You know what he's telling Cain, who killed his brother? Cain, why are you mad? Why are you all upset? If you had just done the right thing, none of this would have happened. You are to blame for the grief that you're feeling. You are to blame for what happened here. And so, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? The answer was yes. If you did the right sacrifice, I would have accepted your sacrifice, but you did not. Now go back to 1 John chapter 3. Cain murdered his brother Abel. Years of envy, resentment, jealousy, watching his brother's offering, being accepted by God, knowing what to do, but he did not, all contributed to him finally losing it and killing his brother. Now, let me just say this. If you ever notice these big tour buses, you hear a sound. What is that? Air brakes. Which, which type of air brakes? What kind of pressure? Is it high pressure or low pressure? When you hear that sound. And you can see the bus lowering a few inches. All those big buses have a, a, a bigger in diameter hose for low pressure. Then they have a, a thinner hose. That's for high pressure. That sound you hear is pressure being released from the line. You must do that. Otherwise, you're going to have a big problem. You know the problem with Cain was? He kept all that stuff in the line. Let it built up and built up and it built up in him until finally he had to let it out in the form of a big club over the brother's head. The murder was a long process of thinking, keeping stuff inside. The pressure just kept building and building and until finally it had to come out. Those big tour buses, they got to let the pressure out every time they stop. It builds up again, and it lets out again. Everything's fine. Cain did not do that. He disobeyed God, did not want to do the right thing. He knew to do the right thing. He refused to do the right thing. And he just was resentful and jealous and envious that God was favoring his brother. But he could have had the same favor. If only he had just done what God said. And that's the background of that one. Now, maybe you learned this lesson. There are some things that Christians need to let go. Some things you can just let go that keeps things building up inside of you. Otherwise, you're going to have an explosion. It's going to happen. Now, in chapter 3, in chapter 3, verse number 12 and 13. 
not as Cain who is of that wicked one, and slew his brother. Now, you notice that the theme is continuing from verses uh, 10. Verses 10. Verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest. It is revealed. It was revealed what Cain was of the wicked one because of, of how he behaved, how he treated his brother, how he thought about things. It was revealed. So, verse number uh, 12 uh, continues that theme that he began in verse number 7. What you are, you will eventually live out. Cain lived out what he, what he thought. I don't care what mom and dad says. Forget them. Uh, I don't care what they said about what God said. I mean, it might be true, but it may not be true. I don't care. And he lived his own life. He did his own thing as the hippie said in the 60s. Do your own thing, bro. And he did. It led to him for the rest of the Bible and for eternity in the Bible as of that wicked one. Abel, for the rest of the scripture, is known for one who heard what the truth was and did what the truth said, and he was accepted by God. Now, uh, Cain hated his brother Abel, and his own works were evil. That was the first cause. And the second cause was because his brother was righteous. Now, look at verse number uh, 13, 313. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one. Once again, what you are is what you do. If you are of the wicked one, you do wickedness. If you are of God, you do godliness. Does that make sense? It is true as well. Uh, for example, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. Now, I want you to come to John chapter 8. Here's something to connect. John chapter 8. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one. It was manifest that he was wicked because of who he was connected to. In John chapter 8, we have another connection. Jesus is speaking to the Jews, the religious leaders, and he condemns them because they were totally rebellious, totally rejecting of Scripture and rejecting of him. Look at verse number 43. Uh, back up to verse number, let me get this from the very beginning, verse number 40. Remember, verse number 4, we'll start that. Remember, in First John, he says, not of Cain, or as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. Keep this in your mind, as you read these verses, because Cain was of the wicked one, he killed his brother. It was, it was, it was going to be that way. Now, in John chapter 8, verse number, verse number four, uh, 40, 40, verse 40. But now you seek to kill me. When Jesus talks to the Jews. But now you seek to kill me, a man that had told you the truth. Now, there is another thing that I want to point out to you. The principle is, why did Cain kill his brother? Number one, he rejected what his mom and dad taught him about what God accepts as a sacrifice. And secondly, his brother was righteous. His brother was righteous. And that just was offend, offensive to Cain. Every time he saw his brother being accepted, he just hated him even more. Not because his brother was wrong, but because he was wrong. And because he was wrong, it was even more impressed upon him that he was wrong because his brother was right. 
Now, Jesus says this in verse number 40. You seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth. Well, why would you kill anyone who tells you the truth? You know, some people hate you because you tell the truth. <laughs> people in this world, they love you as long as you don't tell them the truth. Look, look, you, if you have a friend, and it's good that you have a friend, but if you have a friend and you, you ask your friend, um, you know, now look, I don't want to make fun of Filipino people, but <laughs> Filipino have a way of dressing a certain style, right? Am I right, Filipinos? Am I right? Yeah. It's not offensive to say this, is it? I mean, really, Filipinos have, are very colorful. They're very colorful in how they wear their clothes. Right, Carmen? Very colorful. Right? Yes. Loretta? Uh, who else can I ask you without getting slammed? Uh, okay, uh, brother, brother, um, brother, uh, 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 Frank. Filipinos have a real knack for color. The style is very bright. Bling, bling, bling. Okay, they're going to have a lot of stuff to, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. And you, you can't, you know, say that's wrong. Uh, but that's just the way they are. Now, if you ever say something like this, um, the Bible says to dress modestly or in, in you try to interpret that so that you, you try to make them to not dress too outlandish. Well, you're going to get yourself all kinds of trouble. So that's a that's a pathetic example of when you tell someone the truth, although mine was an opinion just now, they will be offended by that. Now, if you tell a Chinaman that you don't stop being so greedy and so stingy, that will be offensive to him. It could be true. What was that? It could be true. Chinese technology. It could be true, but we tend to just, hey, who do you think you are? Let me give a better example of this. The policeman on Leaky Leaky, at the bottom of Leaky Leaky, before the bridge, 35 miles an hour, he's over here, leaning on his hood like this, with his sunglasses. They also have sunglasses. Why do they also have sunglasses? Even at night, they got sunglasses. <laughs> Coming down there, the radar gun. Now, when the cop pulls me over, you think I like that? Do you think you like that? Sometimes I'm going up, the car gets pulled over, I look at the, at the driver, I'm thinking about some wild looking driver. No, it's a decent guy who just is coming down, maybe distracted or something. This guy doesn't look like a rebel. He, he doesn't look like um, um, Biden's son. <laughs> okay, the guy looks like a decent guy. And so, pulled over and he's getting... Look, you know, some people get very upset at the policeman because they get pulled over. I wonder why. I wonder why. Only because they're guilty of going too fast. The cop says, what are you mad about? And he takes down his glasses. What are you mad about? Just go to speed limit. You're okay. Which is true. But he's offended. He shouldn't be offended. But he's upset because he's caught and he's in the wrong. Or let's go another example, more personal, okay? Um, you have a friend, your friend, you go to your friend, you, be, you got a decision to make, and you ask your friend about something, and your friend says this. Now look, we all like our friends who tell us what we want to hear. Isn't that true? You like your friend when your friend tells you whatever you want to hear. And you might go to your friend because your friend you know is going to tell you what you want to hear. But your friend says, what do you want to do? You want to go to Vegas? Why? Oh, because I need money. So you're going to go to Vegas? <laughs> you need money? 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I think I think this is my lucky month. I think this is my lucky month. I think if I go, you know, I've been there 17 times before, and you know, this time, this time, my lucky month. So I save us some money. I'm gonna go to Vegas and hit the machines, and I know I just I just feel it. I just sense it. I just sense God is telling me to go. And you listen to your friend, and your friend's hoping for you to say thumbs up. You hope your friends to say, yeah, I feel it in my spirit too. You better watch out for that kind of talk. I feel it in my spirit too. And he says, God bless, let's pray. He puts his hand on you and he prays for you. And you go off feeling pretty good. You go there, you lose everything. And then next thing you know, there's a lock window at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know who it is? The mafia. And you say, what are you doing over here? I'll tell you something. The casino never loses. The house Never loses. You might win a little bit here and there, three, four thousand, seven thousand, thirty-five thousand, but you're never gonna win. You're never gonna beat the house. Never. You're you're a dummy to think that you ever could. <laughs> but your friend says, "Yeah, go, bro. God be with you. God be with you." You know what your friend is? Your friend is a, a dummy too, <laughs> because he doesn't have the guts to tell you. You know what? That does sound like a good plan. What you mean? I got mortgage uh, back. Um, they're gonna repossess uh, uh, my car. And everything. Uh, everything you got to say is all true, but the solution is totally stupid. Yeah. <laughs> now around here we say it like this. We say, you stupid head. <laughs> now, if Joan was here this morning, she would say, yeah, that's right, Pastor, stupid head. That's the local saying, you're really stupid. You say, you stupid head. Head is stupid. <laughs> and your friend says, yeah, go for it. You feel affirmed that God is telling you through your friend, go ahead. Well, your friend should have said to you, that's a bad idea. And you say, now your friend says a bad idea, you do this to your friend. What? I thought you was my friend. Isn't that what we say? I thought you was my friend. Because you want your friend to agree with you. But your friend says, no. And he grabs you by the finger. He puts it down. He says, don't tell me no. And the friend says, you asked me for my opinion. I'm telling you. It's a bad idea. Oh, you know what? Some kind of friend you are. Who's got the problem here? This stupid head has the problem. His friend's, his friend's trying to keep him from a big mistake. But he now thinks his friend is his enemy. Jesus says this in verse number 40. You seek to kill me, a man that had told you the truth. You have to learn this lesson in life, Christian. Truth is what you need. Truth is what you need. You don't need someone to baby you and to coddle you and to always tell you what you want to hear. That's not what you need. Which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. Verse 41. You do the deeds of your father. There he goes again. He's saying, you're like your father. The devil, rebellious. Verse number 41. You do the deeds of your father, then said they unto him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. They are offended. They are offended at what Jesus said. Imagine. Verse 42. Jesus saith unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he that sent me. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is saying what uh, what John is saying in chapter 3. 
You are what you are. If you're born of God, you love righteousness. You do righteousness. If you're not born of God, you will not do righteousness. The pattern of your life is either good or evil. That's the pattern of someone's life because of where they come from. He says, you're of your father. Oh, 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 verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Verse 44. Here's the dynamite. Here is the nitroglycerin. Here's the H-bomb. Here is, here is talk that caused them to want to kill him. Verse 44. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. Now, I'll stop there, but you get the point. Ye are your father, devil. That's why you don't like what I'm telling you. You're the devil. Therefore, you don't hear my words, which came from God. Are you learning some things about life in particular, in general, from what Jesus said in particular? We are pulling out from a truthful statement how we discern things in this life. Saw something in verse 41. Can I share that, Kim? Yes, you may. They said to him, We be not born of fornication. So they were accusing him of being born of fornication. And I was just thinking that that reminded me of how you tell somebody something good and they say, Well, you're not perfect either. So in a way, they were saying to Jesus, "We're not born of fornication. You're not. You're not any more. Better, you're not better than we are." That's, that's just kind of. I just thought of that. I don't know if, if that works, but yeah, that's female brain stuff. That's <laughs> <laughs> Serpical. Let me tell you about this. Being upset with someone tells you Serpical, that cop in New York City. Movie made about him. A real man. He's. I don't know if he's alive now, but he got shot in the face because he told the truth. Serpical reported to his higher-ups corruption among the, the police department in New York City. And uh, they were doing fine without him before he began to interfere and began to discover the corruption among the cops and his peers. And then when that came out, they began to go after him. And so he got, he got in all kinds of trouble because his own peers, his fellow cops, took bribes who were corrupt. He was not corrupt, but they were, when he confronted them, tried to expose them. Boy, you talk about you talk about them wanting to kill him, just like Cain and Abel. Same thing, same principle. So the lesson is be careful. When someone tells you the truth, they might offend you because they're they're, they're harsh in how they talk to you. Okay, they, sh they shouldn't be the way, but if the truth is the truth, you should not hate that person for telling you the truth. You should say, God, thank you for my friend telling me the truth. Because it is for your benefit and for your good and so in 1 John 3, come back to the quick, I got one minute left. I got to obey my own law here and finish on time. <laughs> 1 John 3, verse number 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Now, he closes this one session about you are what you are because of who you are from, who you're born of. You cannot avoid that. The pattern of your life is because of who you are connected to, who you're born from. And so on. Now he says, verse 13, a strange thing. Marvel not. Don't be surprised, my brother, if the world hates you. Why is he saying that? All of a sudden he says, like a different thought. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. Well, here's a simple answer. 
after telling you, you are what you are because of what you're born from, born of God, do good, born of the devil, do evil. By the way, would a Christian, would a Christian, would someone born of God do what happened on 9-11? Would a Christian do what they did, these Muslim terrorists do on 9-11? 3,000 souls went into eternity because of what they believed in their religion. Would a Christian do that in the name of his religion? Of course not. But they do that because they believe that's what they're from. A Christian is just the opposite. You know, James talks about this chapter 4, that a Christian, the mark of a Christian is that he does good, visits the widows and fathers and so on. See, he gives blessings to people, not destroys their lives. We do what we're all. We do what we're all. They do what they were all. Never forget 9-11. Look the bulletin that comes to email, I think, last night. There's a little section that I put in about 9-11. Look at that. Learn some, learn some lessons about 9-11. And um, it all reflects to me what John is talking about here. What we're from is what we do. We perpetuate what we are all. If you're of God, you want to be more God-like. If you're of the devil, you'd be more like your father, the devil. You'd be a murderer. By the way, I read this. I've got to end here. That um, the Battle of the Bulge, Hitler's last attempt to win the war. He came to a certain town, and this certain town, uh, a small little town, nothing town, the Allies were coming through, the American army was coming through, and so on, and they were successful. But Hitler found that out, he was way back somewhere else. When he found that out, you know what he had his uh, officers do? He had them go through those little towns, little homes, and pull out the people in those homes, the, the, the residents, and he had them executed, right on the streets. Grandfather, grandmother, mom and dad, children, babies. He had a Walmart because he really believed that they were aiding the enemy. They weren't. But he believed that. He was a murderer because his father is a murderer. Does that make sense to you? Okay, we need to stop. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Help us to learn good lessons from it in this lifetime. This is your book. It is real. It is true. It applies to our lives today, and we pray that you help us to submit to it. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.